0: The chapter that our gospel reading comes from this morning contains three different parables on seeds and growth mark chapter 4. mark chapter 4 of course comes after mark chapter 3 that's what we looked at last week jesus calls the 12 disciples his mother and his brothers come they accuse jesus of being crazy out of his mind and saying and jesus says in a sense that he now has a new family who are my mother and brothers and sisters, but those who do the will of God. And immediately after that, Jesus begins teaching what this new family, the kingdom of God, is like. And the first three things that come to his mind are stories about seeds. The first story in the chapter is the parable of the sower, You probably remember that one. The sower goes out to sow. Some seed lands on a hard soil. Some seed lands among rocky soil. Some seed lands among thorns. Some seed lands on good ground. I'm so glad that wasn't in the lectionary reading. I have preached on the parable of the sower so many times. I can't imagine there's anything new to say about it. And then there's the parable of the seed. This short, boring, started off with. That's what we'll be focused today. Short, boring parable so to a short, boring sermon, where it's just about the dumbest parable around. Seed goes on the ground, grows up. The farmer goes to sleep, wakes up, goes to sleep, wakes up, and doesn't have anything to do with it. Not a lot of excitement in that parable. And then the parable of mustard seed. Three parables about seed and growth. Now it's important before you start because these passages have been misused. That uh, Jesus is not giving a botany lecture here; he's talking about the kingdom of God. One thing that has amazed me is I grew up in a fundamentalist family at a fundamentalist church. That word "fundamentalist" is a word that often confused the theological first word. So it's what you call somebody you disagree with, but we called ourselves fundamental. In fact, we were independent fundamental Bible believing Baptists. That's all one word. We were that because we were independent because we didn't associate with liberals in the Southern Baptist Convention. That was supposed to be a joke, <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't. <laughs> anyway, I heard an awful lot of people talking about a literal interpretation of Scripture. I never met anybody who actually did interpret Scripture literally until I went off to college and found a bunch of skeptics who read the Bible far more literally than any fundamentalist I'd ever run into. And as there are people who take you first and will say, Jesus says the soil, and the seed is sown on the soil and the earth by itself makes it grow. should have know, seeds need water and sunlight. Jesus made a mistake. The whole Bible is just riddled with errors. Or they'll take the parable of the mustard seed and Jesus says, "Is the smallest seed that grows into the biggest plant in the garden?" And people will say, "Well, you know, there are smaller seeds than mustard seeds, and you know there might be a bush in somebody's garden that's bigger than a mustard tree." The Bible is just full of mistakes and errors; can't be trusted about anything. Well, Jesus is not giving a botany lecture about seed size. He's being conversational. In conversation, he says, you take the smallest seed, you put it in the ground, it becomes the biggest plant in the garden. The earth by itself is, just to make the point, the farmer isn't involved. He's talking about what the kingdom of God is like. So don't be distracted by the silliness here. He gives us three parables on growth. And from these three parables, we learn two things. First is that the growth of the kingdom of God is huge explosive, but also that the kingdom of God's growth is usually slow. And those two things don't conflict with each other. The growth is huge, but the growth can be slow. In verse 20, in the middle of the parable of the sower, in fact, Jesus says that the seed that falls on good ground produces 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold increase. We didn't do folds when I took math class, but that means times. 30 times as much, 60 times as much, 100 times as much. And there are places in the world church today where you can go and see this kind of growth happening, tremendous rapid expansion. Just imagine that you could go back in time, in some kind of a time machine, that you could go back to this very scene we're talking about, Jesus here focusing his attention on his 12 disciples, but also on those who are, who are outside that inner circle and who are listening in, the ones that he calls his mother and brothers and sisters, the ones who are doing the will of God. And you went back to them and you said, because you were going back in time, you couldn't take the internet with you, so you'd had to take a book like this. Erdman's Handbook on Christianity in Today's World. I know you can't really see it, but that's what the, the title of the book is. And you said, I'm come from 2000 years in the future. And here's a book about what this man, pointing at Jesus, what, what the people who follow Jesus, let me tell you what they're doing 2,000 years in the future. And they open up the book and, and said, this, first of all, this is what the world looks like. They had no idea what the world looked like. It's a lot bigger than you think it does. It's got all kinds of different people in it you've never seen. They live all kinds of all over the world in places you've never even been. And 2,000 years from now, there's more than 2 billion people on planet Earth who would point at that man over there, Jesus, and say, he's my Lord and Savior. They wouldn't believe it. Well, Jesus would. Jesus would know it was true. Everybody else would just be astounded. From one person, Jesus, in 2,000 years, we have two, 2 billion people. 2 billion people, that's a 200 billion percent growth in 2,000 years. That makes 100-fold sound like Nothing. Usually this growth is slow, you see, but as growing and steadily the kingdom of God expands until it would just astound the people listening to Jesus talking. Usually this growth is slow, and that's important to keep in mind. When we look at that parable of the sower, some of the seed is snatched off of the hard ground, some of the seed bursts into life very quickly but then dries up in the sun, other seeds are distracted by the thorns and weeds around them, And it seems like a waste of time because only one out of every four seeds lands in the good ground. But even with only a 25% return on the seeds, the growth comes, 30, 60, 200 billion percent. The growth comes. It comes steadily and slowly. That's what we see in the second parable, the first one in our reading today, but the second parable in this chapter. Just some thoughts, some scattered thoughts about this short, boring parable. There's two two involvements in this parable. First, we have what we can call human agency, what human beings have to do, and then there's divine agency, what God has to do. There has to be a human farmer to scatter the seed, and then there has to be a human farmer to reap the harvest. But the point of this short parable is that the farmer does not control the seed. In fact, in the story, the farmer doesn't understand how the seed grows. He just scatters the seed on the ground, and then he goes around his life. Night and day, he goes to sleep, and he gets up. He has other things to do. He has tools to repair and cows to milk and all that kind of stuff. But all while he's involved in his ordinary life, the seed begins to grow. Jesus says all by itself. In other words, the farmer doesn't make the seed grow. The farmer doesn't go out and holler at the seed to grow faster faster. produce more. It just grows by itself. So we have the human agency, what human beings are required for. They have to sow the seed and they have to reap the harvest. So that's necessary, but it's not sufficient because it's not humans who produce the harvest, but God. It's God who gives the harvest. This metaphor of seeds being planted and harvesting and farmers planting seeds is all over the New Testament. For example, in the book of Paul's epistle Church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he he learns of a situation where there's division in the church. And some people say, Well, I follow what Paul said, and some people say, I follow what Apollos says, another great teacher. Some other people they're splitting up into different groups. And Paul writes them and says, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Notice he says, what is Paul? Not who is Paul. He says, what is Paul? Because Paul is just an instrument. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Paul says, I planted, that's not much work. Apollos watered, that's not much work. But God gave the growth. The real growth is going on within the power of the seed. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. For we are God's workers, you are God's field. The power of Of growth is contained there in the seed. That's because the seed is the Word of God. Jesus tells us that later on in this very parable. Peter tells us this in, again this metaphor is all over the New Testament, in 1st Peter chapter 1, uh, uh, Peter says, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, in all its glory like the flower of grass the grass withers and the flower falls but the word of the lord remains forever and the word is the good news that was preached to you the word of god the word of god that spoke all creation into experience can work a new creation in the individual human heart it's that same creative power that can restore a broken relationship that can reconcile a person to god So what in this short parable is Jesus calling us to do? First, I think he's calling us to have patience. To be patient as we scatter the seed, to wait for the harvest. To be patient. And again, this metaphor is all over scripture in the book of James. James writes, James chapter five, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. We're called to be patient while we're called to be faithful. Even if we don't immediately see results, has anybody ever scattered seed on the ground, all of a sudden it just grows into a plant? You have to wait, you have to be patient, you have to be faithful, and wait for that. To be faithful to what Jesus is commanding us to do. And then there are two things that we have to do. First, we have to plant. We have to scatter the seed. And I think that's the easy part. But not only do we have to plant the seed, we have to harvest what grows. Jesus says the sickle is thrust into the grain for harvesting. Have you ever seen anyone use a sickle or a scythe? Really? Half the eight o'clockers saw Charlotte has seen it. Yeah. It will work. Okay. You, you know what I'm talking about? this big things seem like up on the stores and barbecue joints, you know? And it looks like, if you don't know how to use it, it looks like you use it as an axe and like chop down a tree or something. But it, 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 as long as it's sharp, now that's the key. It's the smoothest process to move through a grain of wheat. It's all in the torso. You hold it and, and just walk through the fields, uh, just shaving the 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 grain down right at the ground. And then you had to gather up that grain, you had to thresh it out. And when I think about it, scattering the seed's pretty easy, but the harvest is what takes the work. At one point, Jesus tells the disciples in Luke chapter 10, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. That implies the seed has been sown, but the ones who are willing to go out and the harvesting are few. That's the challenge I would like to leave us with this morning. I think planting is the easy part, but we need to have a way, a pathway of going out and gathering those who are touched by God's word, bringing them into God's family, to create a pro- process by which those who are touched by the gospel are brought into God's family. I think that's the hard work that Jesus calls us to do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.